0: Are you tired of hearing people complain about the world and ready to own the responsibility to make the world a better place? Hey, my name is Brent Simpson, and welcome to this episode of Creating the Future. I believe that within each of us is a yearning to make the world a better place, so let's work together and make that desire a reality. My hope is that today's conversation inspires you as you endeavor to create the future. Hey, what's up everybody? Welcome back to Creating the Future. Hey man, I apologize. I'm in the middle of my doctorate degree right now, so I'm not putting out as much content as I would like to. Uh, But we did record something that I think is very valuable to many of you. Uh, A lot of people have asked the question, how do you know when something happens, whether it's a spiritual attack or whether it's just me? Well, that's a long answer, and my wife and I sat down with our South Shore campus and had a whole long teaching on this, and I wanted to be able to share it with you because I think it's something uh, that'll really bless you, uh, something that'll increase your ability to understand when life comes at you or when things happen, is this a spiritual attack or is this just something within me? So without further ado, let's jump into that conversation, and I hope you enjoy it today. I don't think there's anywhere I would rather be on our anniversary than right here with these amazing folks.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. I was thinking we need an anniversary song. Anniversary song? Yeah. Remember like
0: way back in the day in the church when we used to sing the anniversary song? No. And like, happy anniversary. I I don't remember. I just remember singing it when I was little. Those awkward things we did in the church back in the day that occasionally somebody comes to me and they say, can we still do that? And I'm like, no, no. We really can't. We really can't um i'm gonna pull this even a lot further if you want to tonight i encourage you to come closer if you are not in the first few rows um because we will use the marker board a little bit and you're just not going to see it from further back Uh, because we're going to teach have a good time if you're new to our church my name is brent i get the privilege of being the lead pastor to rise church and uh, continue to experience god over the next few moments um ada talk about prayer for a second yeah, like 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 you were bra- you came home last night oh, after a three-hour prayer meeting, yeah, on. like, on just like crazy, like you were just on fire. Yeah.
1: So I just needed him to clarify, because that's a really deep subject. I mean, what do you want me to talk about prayer? <laughs> you like, want me to go back to the beginning? Tonight. That's when? not the subject matter. <laughs> oh, well, prayer last night was phenomenal. Um, at our Brandon campus, we have prayer every Tuesday evening at 7 p.m., and we have it here every... Um, First and third? Second and fourth? I'm sorry. <laughs> yes. See, I don't know my calendar. Second and fourth. And um, I encourage you to join us here also on the second and fourth weeks at 7 p.m. Um, last night specifically, we were <coughs> really interceding for Afghanistan and all the garbage that they're dealing with there. It's, it's heartbreaking what those um, people are going through right now. And what they're going to continue to go through, but we prayed and we decreed, and the Lord was giving words that we were i mean we were releasing angels from our Brandon campus, and it doesn 't matter how far we are away from Afghanistan because there's no there 's no space limit right, um, and so angel armies are there right now, and we just believe that they 're protecting those people and um, going to continue to do miracles for the people there so i 'm not sure if that 's what you wanted, but <laughs>
0: Hey, um, uh, our apologetics conference is this weekend. Make sure that you are there. Uh, get registered for that. There's some over 250 or something registered right this second. And then I, a lot of people keep telling me, they're like, I'm going, but I didn't register. Just register. Make us feel good about ourselves. Um,
1: this is kind of fun. It's like spinny time up here. Yeah, I feel like it's the, the, <laughs> the
0: tea ride at Walt Disney World. Um, uh, but be at the uh, apologetics conference. It's going to be awesome. I'm also going to say something I never say. I told somebody before, but I just want to say this. So... Sunday, I, I preached a message in Brandon, an apologetic message um, that's probably one of my top three favorite messages I've ever preached. It's actually the third time I've done it, it's, but it's like every three or four years. It gets better every time because I tweak it. Um, I never tell anybody to go back and watch old messages of mine, but I'm just telling you, you should go back and watch it. It's, if you like apologetics at all, it's all about astrophysics and astronomy and what the heavens are declaring. You know, Psalm 19, David said, the heavens are declaring the wonders of God. What what are the heavens declaring? What are they declaring? And it's just, um, it's really cool. So go back and watch that and uh, be at the apologetics conference. It's going to be awesome. All right. So if we're going to go a deep dive tonight, which we are, so just to go ahead and embrace it, put on your thinking caps. Um, Some of your brains may hurt a little bit by the time we're done, but we're going to take a deep dive into the subject tonight, answering the question, is it spiritual attack or is it just me? You ever, you ever like wondered that? Like, is this just like me? Or am I just having a bad day? Did I wake up on the wrong side of the bed? Or is there a demonic thing happening around me that's influencing um, what's going on? So, in order to have that conversation, though, um, I think we really have to start further back in order to make sense of where we're going. Uh, And we got to talk about the soul. Somebody say the soul. The soul. Um, it's a funny word that it's very hard to define. We use it all the time. In fact, we teach our kids when they're little to pray this prayer. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. And then we say this crazy thing: If I should die before I wake, that makes every kid feel good, right? <laughs> if I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul, soul to take. All right. So we teach our kids this prayer, at least traditionally, back in the day. What is the soul? Uh, A long time ago, I preached a series in the old, like, little Kings Avenue campus that we started in years ago. I preached a series called Soul Food. That's a cool little twist. Y'all see what I did there? Spiritual, you know, soul I I was proud of it. It It I I thought it was cool. Thank you. This is how, 21 years, this is how it has worked. Aretha Franklin is referred to as the Queen of Soul, and Ray Charles, who's one of my favorites, is the Godfather of Soul. James Brown is said to have more soul than anyone else. Kid Rock wrote about a rebel soul. Uh, The pop singer Jewel uh, took a trip and hitchhiked down to Mexico when she was 16 years old and watched people desperately uh, looking for food and, and trying to survive. And she wrote the song at 16 years old, Who Will Save Their Soul. We talk about having soul power. And if you're old enough, you might even remember a soul train. Aristotle once said that a friend is one soul in two bodies. Think about that. That's a pretty deep subject. Uh, Derek Jeter is sometimes given the title as the soul of the Yankees. Uh, We speak of selling our souls, which, by the way, on eBay actually is not allowed. Some of you may have driven to church in a Kia Soul. If you're really (laughs) under distress, you can give an SOS, which stands for, anybody know? Save our souls. <laughs> in church, we have soul winners and we have lost souls, right? Um, in the church environment. So um, the word is so much a part of our culture. You hear it all the time. In fact, I recently uh, heard there's over 20,000 books with the word soul in the title of the book alone. Um, it's a huge part of our culture, but yet when we get into a place to try to define what the soul is, it's very hard to define. We talk about it all the time, but like, what is it? What is it? We're, we're going to break that down over the next few moments. And I think it's like um, the Chief Justice years ago who was talking about pornography, if you remember, and he said, he said it's hard to define, but I know it when I see it, yep. <laughs> right? What's the difference between the mannequin that's art or whatever and pornography? It's hard to define, but I know it when I see it, right? I think the soul is like that. It's very hard to define. It's a very deep subject when we start talking about the soul. In fact, we even, though it's a part of us, we talk at the soul a lot. You see the psalmist multiple times talking at his soul, Um, It's a very deep subject to try to define, uh, a deep word. Um, I remember in my own walk early on as a believer, um, I had gotten saved and I was going to this little uh, church in Plant City. Somebody that Pastor Tina would know, Howard Blunt, was a worship leader. And he would sing this song. This is like they had these amazing vocalists. They didn't have much of a band, but he was a vocal guy. and, and, And they would sing this song that was big back then. And they would say, Bless the Lord oh my soul and all that is within me bless his holy anybody remember that and, and there was something about it. I don't know if it was the song or if it was just the passion because I was so new in the Lord and just hungry for him. But when he would just belt out, bless the Lord, oh my soul. And, was like, and, all, and it was literally like something inside of me. Anybody, you know what I'm talking about. It's like something inside of me was singing. It's bigger than my mouth. It's bigger than vocal cords. It's bigger than lungs. It was like something inside of me is belting out this thing that like I want to bless the Lord, right? right. Psalm 103 Verse one is that famous psalm: Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. So, but how are you supposed to bless the Lord, O my soul, when you don't even know what the soul is that it's supposed to be blessing the Lord with? So let's begin to un- unpack that uh for just a few moments. Um, um if you're going to have soul care, if you're going to take care of your soul, if you're going to utilize what God has given us with the soul, then we have to understand uh, what it is. And so if you're taking notes, number one would be this. The soul is the integration of the inner man, okay? Um, let's start here. You have an image on your fill-in-the-blank notes that I encourage you to utilize. And I'm going to make this one really big so that people can see it. Closer, nearer to the back. I Shouldn't have made it quite so big, so I'm just going to make another little layer out here. In just a second, we'll get to that one. All right, when we talk about the spiritual side of man and who we are, there's an integration that begins uh, to happen. And starting all the way in the very beginning, you have your, your spirit that makes up the very core of who you are. This is the center thing of what you are. Um, it, it's sometimes referred to as a will or as a heart. Now, obviously not your physical heart, but you say that person has a heart, right? Right. Um, sometimes referred that way. In the very center thing of who you are, which, by the way, is what's being saved. We say we're saving souls. That is true in one sense uh, that I'll refer to in a few minutes as I unpack all this. But we're not just saving souls. Technically, it's your spirit that gets saved because that's the deepest part of who you are that lives forever. So, so we start out with this place of, of your will. This is your capacity to, to uh, choose. It's your capacity to say yes or no. Um, this is what separates humans from all other animals, your spirit. It's something that you have that your dog does not have. Um, it allows you, allows you to have dominion as God has called you to have uh, dominion. Um, we greatly treasure the, the will. We love to talk about it. We love to celebrate somebody who is strong-willed or overpowers others with their will, right? The little person who does great things like they were big. We love to celebrate the will, but the will is actually very limited. Um, it, it can't do all that much. In fact, will, just like a muscle, if you study this in science, your willpower, just like a muscle, will get used up and run out of energy at some point, right? Um, um, in fact, if you don't believe that, just come home after a long, exhausting day and see how much willpower you have not to eat the ice cream <laughs> or not to veg out and watch TV. I know I should read my Bible, but I don't really have the willpower and I'm exhausted, right? So, so your will, while we love to celebrate it, um, is, is very, uh, 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 it's not as powerful as we like to act like it is. It's very limited, um, you can have all the willpower in the world, but your body oftentimes uh, will supersede it. So your will almost always has good intentions, by the way, too, because this is your heart, your spirit, your will, especially if you're saved. You have the greatest intentions in the world with your will, right? Travis Tritt saying, I've had the best of intentions from the beginning. Every woman knows. I don't care what intentions you have. What have you actually done? Okay, so um, that, that's, that's that heart. That's that, that will. All right, so the second thing right here, though, is the mind, the mind. This is the second part. The mind. The mind will make up your feelings and emotions and, and the way you think, obviously, a little bit. But uh, feelings, emotions. Um, your feelings, your emotions is your mind. Um, your thoughts. I should put that there. Emotions, thoughts. feelings your emotions your thoughts this makes up the mind um your mind craves peace it doesn't always have peace but your mind always wants to rest loves to create rest Uh, that's where habits form with the body and mind that we'll talk about in a minute because it loves peace so much it loves to rest romans 8 6 says the mind governed by the flesh is death but the mind governed by the spirit is life which begins to show you the next part right here you have beyond this you have your human body Or, biblically speaking, often called the flesh, right? So, now reading Romans 8, 6, it says, The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the body, the flesh, is death, but governed by the spirit is life and peace. This is beginning to hopefully paint a picture um, of a war that's happening inside of your body, right? Right? Um, your human body uh, loves to have habits. It loves to do all it can to not have to deal with the spirit. Your mind and body both love to create habits, not so it doesn't have to deal with what the spirit wants it to do. And so we get good or bad habits based on which one it's going to go with, right? So we have good habits because your spirit is leading your mind, or you get bad habits because your body is leading your mind. Are you all with me? And your mind, your mind is lazy. And when I say lazy, I mean like not lazy like it doesn't want to work necessarily. But your mind loves to conserve energy. This is science, by the way. This is not like just Bible stuff. Uh, Your mind loves to conserve energy. And the easiest way to conserve energy is to create habits. Because when you have habits, you don't have to think. Right? Anybody drive home and you got all the way home and you thought to yourself, I don't remember ever driving here. Just just think about that. It's a relatively complicated thing to drive a car. And you could kill somebody with that car. It's, it's, it's a two-ton whatever, you know. I mean, you know, it's, it's dangerous. But you did. You drove all the way home without ever thinking about it. But that's also a powerful tool because then you can go long distances without getting nearly exhausted. Now, I know for some of us in this room it was a little bit longer than others. But do you remember the time when you were learning to drive? Remember how exhausting it was to kind of think about I gotta hit the gas, I gotta hit the brake, I gotta remember to turn the turn signal, I gotta remember to all those different things. And you're thinking about it, and it's exhausting. Like, why? Okay, so you're so in this moment you're creating habits. Habits are powerful things. They are like interstates. Not I-75 at six o'clock interstates, interstates that actually flow interstates. Uh, Habits are very wide paths, whether they're good habits or bad habits, that control the mind and allow you just to put it on cruise control and just go. It's easy. Mm -hmm. Creating habits when they first start is like taking a machete, going through the Amazon, trying to create a path. So when you're creating the habit over here, that's very different. That's, That's this path you're beaten down, right? So try to create a habit from your spirit. Try to create a good habit. That's tough, right? Who wants to say, I'm going to get up early tomorrow and I'm going to pray? You're fighting. Now, if you can do it long enough to create the interstate, the actual habit, it becomes much easier. Uh, And again, this could be spiritual habits. They could be physical habits. I'm not going to eat blah, blah, blah. I'm not going to do this thing. It starts out hard whichever direction it goes. Um, But your mind naturally wants to conserve energy. Um, So your body, back to your body. Uh, Your body's the flesh. It's your human pack. It's what you touch around you. Um, That should be fairly obvious. We should know that. Um, This is why um, sometimes, well, well, let's come back to that. Um, I want us to see this, okay? Tell me which one of these things can be broken. Can your body be broken? Can your mind be broken? Can your spirit be broken? It's interesting, right? All three of these can be broken. You can see somebody with a broken spirit. You will see somebody with a broken spirit, and it will manifest in their mind and their body. Right? You can see somebody that, that life has beat them down. They're like, they're like a dog that's been abused, Right? a human that's been abused. And you can see it in their countenance. You can see it in the way they walk. It's funny how your spirit will affect your mind and your body. Can your mind affect your body and your spirit? You ever see somebody that's not in their right mind? How does that affect the way they look, the way they act, the way they think about things? It might affect their will, right? Your body, can that affect your mind? You ever see a drunk person? Right? Now, all of a sudden, what they put inside of their body is affecting their mind, which can begin to affect their spirit. Are you all with me? Paul said, the things I want to do, I don't want to do, and the things I don't want to do, I keep on doing. Are you with me? Why? Because these three things are often at odds with one another. <laughs> your spirit, if you are saved, craves the things of God. Your mind just wants to be lazy, and your body is cra- craving the flesh. The, the flesh, excuse me. Right. So all three of these things need to be redeemed. You with me? And so there ends up with a war, oftentimes, between these three. And when one is broken, it will affect all the others. Right? You you with me? Okay. When one is broken, it's going to affect all the others. And um, sometimes, and this is key to where we're going, and I want us to see this, as we talk about, is it a spiritual attack or is it just me, you have to recognize your lack of sleep will affect these two. And some people walk around going, I'm being attacked by the enemy. You're like, no, you slept four hours for the last two nights in a row and you need to go home and take a nap.
1: Amen. You with me? And
0: so I want us to see this because this is gonna be a consistent thing I push back to because this is a deep thing and this is for a Wednesday night crowd that, that you are deeper in your faith, Right. And I want us to see this because it's complicated. It's not easy. It's not simple. That's probably why there's extra people here. And I know a lot of people were asking about us online and watching online tonight. Because this is complicated. And if it were just like these five things are always spiritual attacks, well, that wouldn't be complicated. But because of this parts of the body, it's complicated. Now, let's go ahead and go to the next thing. Ada, you want to add anything?
1: I'm just up here because I want to be with you on our anniversary. Okay, thank you. <laughs> now,
0: this is where there's one that I haven't been naming that a lot of Christians would go, well, where's this? Now, I'm just going to throw it out, then I'll explain it. So, this is the soul. Oop, I'm spelling it wrong. I'm talking all about it, and I can't even write it. Soul. There you go. Because I'm running crooked. Soul, soul. All right, so I am a pupil of, in, in not like in a literal sense, but in my understanding of this, from a guy by the name of uh, Dr. Dallas Willard. Dallas Willard was a very famous theologian and philosopher from USC. He passed away a number of years ago now. Um, but he wrote some of the most profound books on this subject that you'll ever see. Uh, he teaches it this way. I believe it this way. Not everybody will. That's okay. I get to have the mic, so I get to speak. Okay. He teaches it this way, that the soul becomes the integration of these things. In fact, uh, what's next right there? Um, Your soul wants to integrate your body, mind, and spirit, and let's do it this way, integration, to make it all work correctly. I personally believe uh, that this is true. So, so it wants the integration. You have a quote in your notes right there. A healthy soul is an integrated one, and an unhealthy soul is a disintegrated one. Um, this is why the word integrity is such a deep word. Like when you talk about somebody's integrity, it's something about that word, right? It's like it's, like it's a deep word when you talk about integrity because the soul is trying to bring integrity Or all of these things functioning together so that the spirit will actually affect the mind and the body rather than the body affecting the mind and the spirit. Or not living out of the flesh, as many of us would have been heard taught it. So we're not living out of the flesh, we're living out of the spirit. you with me? So, um, Romans 7.15 says, I do not understand what I do for what I want to do. I do not do, but what I hate I do. Now you see what's going on in Paul and what's going on in you and I oftentimes. There's an inner war that's happening inside of us. Uh, and it's our ability to integrate all three and have it work and function together that ultimately is salvation. We'll get to that in a minute. Um, um, all right, so go ahead and go, let's go ahead and go there. Number two, if you're taking notes, salvation is the healing of the soul. Salvation is the healing of the soul. So if the soul... Is the big thing that kind of makes all of it work together. Salvation is this word, sozo. If you've been around our church very long, you should have heard that word over and over and over and over. It is a key word to Christianity that we have got to get back to the roots of. Okay. Um, Sozo means. Whole, W-H-O-L-E. Uh, it's, its literal meaning would be saved, healed, or whole. All of it has the representation of being W-H-O-L-E. Whole. 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 Not broken in one of these parts that is affecting the other part. Not lost in one of these parts and it's destroying the other part. It's Wholeness jesus died so that you could be saved so that you could be sozoed so that you could be so, so whole w-h-o-l-e right here's the question who's whole in this room who's holy whole but are you being made whole the issue with the word sozo that i say it has to be a forefront of our church and it should be at every church. Is because we constantly talk about somebody being saved and usually that context is they go to heaven that is a part of being saved certainly we all agree with that but the bigger aspect is are you being made whole while you're on earth (laughs) Are is the broken things inside of you being healed right are you being made whole while you're on earth and so only God can sozo your soul and it's kind of like the operating system on a computer. Your, your, your soul becomes that operating system that's trying to get every, all the software to function together. Um, and your soul was made to be rooted in God the way that the tree is rooted in the giving stream. So when your soul is saved and now it's rooted in God, it can start affecting these other things and get it to try to work together. Are, are you all with me so far? Yeah. Every part of your life is meant to be sozoed, And because of that, it affects every portion of your life, meaning your your mind, your body, your spirit. Um, There is not a piece of the God pie that's the God section, or your life pie that's the God section. It's the whole thing. The great example of this is the book of Deuteronomy. If you ever read the book of Deuteronomy, which most of us don't, um, (laughs) because it's all these laws and all these things all over again. Uh, If you ever read the book of Deuteronomy, it constantly jumps back and forth. I mean, verse after verse, it'll jump from spiritual things to things that seem really secular and other things that quite honestly seem silly. Uh, I just wrote a few of them down. Um, uh, uh, It's like, okay, don't practice the occult. Who should you marry? How to handle livestock, to skin diseases, to hospitality, to how to harvest your field, to how to honor God, to how to handle mold. That was just a few of them back to back to back to back. Well, that's weird, right? Like, is the author of Deuteronomy schizophrenic? <laughs> All right, is he, is he bipolar? Is he ADD? It's like, okay, the mold, you know, worship, you know, take this sacrifice, but then don't forget your fields. You know, like, what's going on here? The picture in what we need to get out of Deuteronomy, and we oftentimes, again, skip it because it's a bunch of laws, is this picture that every one of these, every part of your life should be submitted to God, and not one of them is more holy than the other. Not one of these is more spiritual than the other thing. Taking the mold out of your house in Deuteronomy is just as spiritual as taking an offering to the Lord of the temple. We, in our modern Christian environment, create a secular and a sacred that was not there anywhere in the Bible. It was all sacred because if you are living out of your soul, if your soul is, I should say, functioning properly, it is now making all of these be surrendered to God. So, the whole of your life, H O L, no, W H L, whatever that is, the whole of your life, I'm getting all confused in my own mind now, becomes about Jesus and not portions of your life about Jesus. Now, you see why sermons all the time talk about, you know, what are we hiding from God? What cobwebs do we have in our life? What are the things that we're sweeping under the rug? Why? Because as long as we're hiding one of these, as long as one of these is not surrendered, then we're not living and the soul is not actively integrating the way it's supposed to integrate does this make sense is this is this deep for us um so so bless the lord oh my soul and all that is within me bless his holy name make sense now we can sing that song differently i don't know if we ever sing it again but now we can sing that song we should i I love the song but that's my history so so okay now 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 (sighs) okay now let's get back to the other subject and let's take this now that we understand that let's take it a tad deeper okay um the enemy lives in the broken places in our lives so in every one of our lives we get places that are broken could be in your spirit down here call that a broken place Could be in your feelings. Have you ever had your feelings hurt? Could be over here in your flesh. The broken places almost always end up touching one another, right? Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will. That's the biggest lie ever. Come on. The sticks and stones will break your spirit, it'll hurt your emotions and your mind. It'll change the way you think about things, right? So we end up with. Broken places in our lives. Every one of us has them. Um, Parents who are not the best parents. A teacher who said something about you that maybe even if they didn't mean it the way we received it, we received it one way and we think we're dumb the rest of our life. Could be a million different things, but they start becoming broken places and we have lots of them. Even in the most whole of any of us, if we get honest with ourselves, there's broken places there right? So the enemy inside of these broken places starts to live or take residence inside of these broken places inside of our, quote, soul. Um, and I'm not just talking about, uh, I'm not necessarily even talking about demon possession in this moment. I'm talking about places that are open for him to attack. So we use this word all the time in the church, open doors. We had a men's rally, the other night, I heard him say it. You know, we leave open doors for the enemy. What is an open door? It's a place where you're broken, all right, let's, let's take it a little deeper. Uh, you know, you've probably heard this before, that there is no such thing as darkness. It's only the absence of light. Have you ever heard that? It's true. Okay, there's no such thing as darkness. It's the absence of light. It's the absence of what's supposed to be there. Then there's darkness, right? Not sure if you've ever heard this. If you go to Bible college, you're learning this. There's no such thing as evil. There's only the absence of good. There's no... All say right, let's take it a little deeper. What is hell? People picture hell as fire and demons and devils. It's the absence of God. What is God? If God is all things good, what is hell? <laughs> it's the absence of all things good, which leaves a gap of all things bad, right? Are you with me? Right? So evil is the absence of what should be there. Think, think of evil as, um, as rust on a car, right? If the car rusts, no matter how amazing the 1965 Mustang is, the rust starts to corrode. Eventually, it leaves a hole, and the whole car can be great, but there's one spot that you can stick your finger through if you leave it long enough, and it's not what was intended to ever be there. And the issue is not what's there. The issue is now what's not there. Does this all make sense? So you end up with holes all over your life. Things that happen to you in child, things you don't even remember sometimes. In counseling, man, you'll pull up things that you hadn't thought about in 30 years, and all of a sudden you remembered that so-and-so did this to you or saw that. You don't even always remember these things, right? By the way, this is what Sozo ministry does. You hear us talk about Sozo ministry in our church? It goes to these open doors, these broken places, and takes away the lie and reveals it with truth, but we haven't quite got there yet, okay? All right, so these, these are the place that the enemy has room to work. When you are completely whole, he can attempt everything he wants to do, but he could never actually succeed in it. Can we, can we, I'm having all these thoughts pop in my head. Can we take it a little deeper again? Like, I, like, literally, my notes have one line on it for all this. This is just me talking. Take it a little deeper again. In Bible colleges, we will debate, could Jesus sin? He was tempted, but the Bible says he couldn't sin. So could he sin? And what's the temptation if you can't sin? Could Jesus sin? Great debates in Bible colleges about could Jesus sin? Some of you go home tonight, you'll be racking your brain all night long. There'll be smoke coming out of your ears. You'll stay up till 2.30 in the morning, Googling everything, could Jesus have sinned? Like we know he didn't, but could he have? Watch this, watch this. If you are whole, W-H-O-L-E, if you are whole... There are no places for the enemy to attack you and cause the sin to happen. So could Jesus sin? He could. But there was no thing in him that would ever want to allow the sin to be there. There was no gaps in his life. There were no broken places where the sin wants to be there. Y'all with me? This is why it's not just spiritual when we talk about this, right? So so your mind and your spirit and your body can have broken places and you can go to actual secular counseling and find healing to some of them. Not all, but some of them, right? Secular counseling is not wrong because there's holes and there's gaps from things that have happened to you or you've been a part of. So the enemy lives in these these broken places. Um, That's where he can be. Now, when I say the enemy lives... I want to be very clear. Every broken place is an opportunity for the devil to mess with you. It doesn't mean he's always is. Right. So every hole doesn't mean he's in every hole or trying to manipulate every hole, but every hole is an opportunity. What is sanctification? I'm on the stage. You ought to be louder. What is sanctification? Clearing out the holes. You are daily being more and more sanctified. Righteousness is God giving you his righteousness, but sanctification is you becoming more and more and more like God daily, renewing your mind that will affect. You with me? You're renewing your mind by the spirit, not the body. If you renew your mind by the body, we're all in trouble because then you want to do what the body wants to do, which is usually not a good thing. Right? So, so this sanctification process now is becoming Whole becoming more like Jesus and you can always spot people that are more whole than others right you ever see people and you're like that life is so jacked up and messed up and I don't know what happened to them when they were kids but my god I wouldn't let them watch my dog you know (laughs) then you find somebody else usually older that's a coincidence right Usually an older Christian who has had longer in the sanctification process and the filling of the holes with the putty of the Holy Spirit. They've had longer in the sanctification process. And you watch these older saints, not always, but oftentimes, and you think, man, like, they're just so, like, whole. Like, like not that they're perfect, but they just seem like they got it together. Right? What is that? It's the sanctification process. It's now, I started out with 10,000 holes, and maybe I've only got 1,000 left. I don't know, but they're not as obvious to people anymore because they're not affecting the body or the mind, which are the two things that we usually see most frequently. All right, All right. so the enemy lives in the broken places in our lives. Do you want to add anything?
1: Sorry, I turned off my mic. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I just wanted to point out, like, the difference between justified and sanctified, right here, um, because justified—I love the definition—just as if I had never sinned. So when Father God looks at us, He looks as He looks at, at us as if we've never sinned. And whenever we get saved, we are justified. We're becoming sanctified. We're becoming in the image of God. We're we're looking more to our brothers and sisters like the image of God. But when we get saved. We are just as if we'd never sinned, and I think that's where a struggle is with a lot of people um, falling into sin after they get saved—is not seeing themselves as God sees them, you know, not seeing themselves and not coming to that realization that they—they um, they are just as if they'd never sinned, and it changes—it changes, it changes our—it um, changes us inside, our mindset and everything, just good. as if we'd never sinned. It's good.
0: Justification is instantaneous. You are justified at salvation. Sanctification is a process, as we all know, because you're still living in it. <laughs> okay, good, good. that's a good word, Ada. Um, um, okay, let's go to the next fill-in-the-blank that you have. So what do we do with these now? we got these holes. Broken places stay broken because of the lies we believe. <laughs> the broken places in your life are broken because of the lies we believe. They are healed through the truth, we believe. All right, so what in order are you talking about, Pastor Brent? What happened to you that broke you and created the, the bruise, the broken place in you, was not the actual thing that happened. It was what you believed about the thing that happened. Let that sink in. So the teacher said, you're stupid, you never amount to anything. You chose to believe... I'm stupid and I never amount to anything. If you didn't choose to believe that, you would never have had an issue. The issue is what you, what's that word? Believe. 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 It's what you believed. Oftentimes it's not something they said. So so you had a, a, uh, a uh, cousin, you spend the night at their house and they sexually molest you. And, unconsciously you start to believe that's how I get somebody's attention. And you end up being promiscuous then later on spending your whole life unconsciously until somebody usually reveals it to you. This is exactly what Sozo ministry does. Reveals to you that goes, I've been believing this all along. I didn't realize I was believing this, but I've been believing this all along. Uh, By the way, um, not to jump too far ahead, but in October, we're going to do a series called Kill the Spider at our eyes. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be powerful. And it's all on this subject right here. It's four weeks, I think four weeks, however many Sundays are in October, um, on this subject right here of believing lies and defeating those with truth. So so we believe these lies, right? Uh, Jesus referred to Satan as the father of right. Everything he says is a... When he speaks, it's, it's, it lies are his native tongue, right? So Jesus referred to Satan or the tempter. Satan means the tempter. That's what that means. As the one who's always lying, always tempting you, always lying. And the gaps in your life come because we believe lies. Now, if you want to heal those gaps, you believe truth. You replace the lie with the truth. So the truth was when you were molested as a little girl, that is not the way you get their attention. The truth was you had God's attention the whole time. He never took, takes his eyes off of you. And you replace the lie with a truth, and it heals. I don't have a eraser. Oh, yeah, I do. And it heals the gaps in your life that have been there for all this time, covers them. It's the bondo of the Holy Spirit. Come on, gentlemen. And it replaces the whole with what was supposed to be there all along. Salvation, sozo, wholeness. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The way, the truth, and the life. We oftentimes refer to the Bible as the truth. Why do we tell people to read the Bible? Why do we push the Bible down everybody's throats? Because it's the truth that will counteract the lies that we've believed. <laughs> Mixed with the Holy Spirit, working that together, that's how He works. All of a sudden, you read something, and it starts to change the way you think in your mind, which affects you with me. So, so we have to get rid of the lies that we have believed and replace them with the truth. Um, I cannot emphasize enough, I don't know if you want to say anything about this, but that is precisely what Sozo ministry has done. How many of you have done a Sozo in our church? Okay, see all these hands? How many of you enjoyed the Sozo you did, right? Basically everybody. I think it was everybody. Sozo is inner healing inner healing, where we get together and you'll have a couple people praying with you and agreeing with you, and and it's not like spooky or weird. It's just hard to explain sometimes. It's kind of like all of thing I'm talking about here and trying to explain it in a 30-second example, you know. Um, Sozo will help you find the places where you have gaps in your life from lies you've believed and help you replace those lies with truth, those lies with truth. That's what Sozo ministry does. Because Sozo ministry is to be made whole. Right, so this is where demons want to come in and affect you is in the places of brokenness in your life, and we all have have lots of them, lots of them. Um, and and Jesus came to, we'll say there's a, there a few times Jesus said what he came to do. But Jesus, one time when he stood before Pilate, he said, "I came to testify of truth." Pilate then made the great scoffing remark, "What is truth?" Sounds a lot like our society today. Sounds a lot like a broken person not interested in being made whole. He said, what is truth? But Jesus said, I came. Why did he come? To testify to truth because truth heals you and makes you whole. What you believe, this is why salvation starts at belief. It doesn't end there, by the way. Actually, we'll talk about that Sunday here. It starts at belief. That's the, that's the lowest combination, common denominator of Christianity and the salvation experience. It starts at belief. But if you just believe in God the rest of your life, that is not salvation. Come on. That is not. I mean, lots of people across America believe in God, but they don't actually act. They don't do anything with that belief. So it's got to be more than that. But you have to believe a truth in order to even start the sozo process. <laughs> that's where it starts at. Does it make sense? Is this good? Okay, yeah, I know I'm making you think, and it always makes me nervous because everybody gets quiet. Okay, and I'm thinking, too. I'm just, I'm winging this. I'm thinking, too. So, so we end up um, trying to believe these truths. Ada, were you going to say something?
1: I was. Um, so, sozo ministry, I just want to point out that whenever you have people, uh, you have two people in the room praying with you. Um, one of them is actually leading, and um, I just... Want you to know if you've never been through Sozo, it's not an implantation of putting thoughts and minds in your head. It's the Holy Spirit. Um, it's the Holy Spirit bringing out those memories and things. It's not. It's sometimes you hear about. Um, you know when you're in counseling and things. <clears throat> The, the thoughts were being put in your head and that you don't know if it actually happened but it, that's not the way Sozo ministry works it's Holy Spirit led Holy Spirit exposes the lie the deep lies um, so as for me um, whenever I had a sozo before we even brought it to the church a long time ago I um, the the lord revealed a lie that i believed that i didn't realize um why i acted this specific way to a very person a person that i loved very dear in my life i wasn't sure why i always got like cringy around them like I almost uh, not an anxiety but almost like a frustration around that person Um, for years and I couldn't I couldn't figure out why it wasn't because they had an annoying personality necessarily it was just something something in me and the Holy Spirit revealed in my sozo um, time that it was actually a lie that I believed that that person had treated someone else unfairly um, somebody that I love dearly and um, so because the Holy Spirit exposed that lie he brought healing to that lie And he healed that relationship without me even having to go to that person and expose or try and figure out what was going on, like why I felt this way. Um, And so now, since that, Time years ago, I have been able to have a great relationship with this person and not feel weird around them, not feel angry every time I'm around them. So Holy Spirit just has this way. I always call it a back door. It's like a back door in, into us. Like He knows, He knows what makes us tick. He knows um, the lies and the perceived lies that we have believed and that changes our perspective on our lives um, and changes the way we see people, we see things. And um, it's it's a really really beautiful ministry. So if you've never had a sozo, I encourage you to have a sozo. I'll
0: I'll give you two more examples, a little more specifics um, to tag along with what she's saying. Um, Because you can do sozos by yourself. Because sozos is just the inner healing. That's all it is. you can do it by yourself. It's helpful to have somebody with you, though. But if you're really spiritual mature, you can do it by yourself. Because what will happen is you'll find yourself acting in ways out of the flesh that you don't normally act. And if you catch that, you'll say, what, what, what was that? What just happened? So I do not remember any details as far as what specifically led to it. But I was driving down Kings Avenue, not far at all, actually Kings right by 60. Um, and something happened that infuriated me. Like somebody cut me off or something, and and like I'm not like if you know me well, like I'm not like I don't I don't get angry very easily. Usually you have to push me pretty good, um, but I just like erupted. Like, like I'm like ready to get out of the car and drag the other guy out of the car. Am I allowed to say this? Okay. <laughs> like I'm, I erupted, and and because of the Holy Spirit in me, I caught it and I thought, where did that come from? And I really felt like the Holy Spirit said, "Come here, I'll I'll show you." So I, I pulled over on Kings and sixty. There's a whatever the stores are right there, um, the shopping center. I pulled over and I stopped in the, park, in the parking lot and I just sat there for a minute and I said, all right, God, where did that just come from? God reminded me of something like I haven't thought about like forever, right? And, and I want to be careful because it's theoretically possible that this person's watching this video. Probably not, but possible. But when I was a kid, we had a swimming pool in our backyard. I don't know how old I was, probably four or five years old, that my dad decided to teach me to swim right? He uh, wants to make sure I know how to swim. I have no idea why it happened this way, but I was in my underwear, whitey tighties. I don't know why. I don't know. And I remember my dad kneeling beside the pool, grabbing me by the back of my underwear with one hand, grabbing the back of my neck with the other hand, and holding me down under the water and telling me to paddle. That was his way of teaching me to swim. I hadn't thought about that. And I don't even know that I'd ever thought much about that. All of a sudden, my mind goes back there. I thought, what was that? And I thought, it feels like my dad's trying to kill me. It feels like he's trying to make me drown. I was completely out of control by somebody who was stronger than I was, who is now forcing me down, and I got to get out of this. you with me? You ever deal deliverance? People always erupt with demonic things i gotta get out of this what in the world is going on with I gotta. and that little boy of four or five years old whatever i was is still broken in that spot so in that moment in my truck or my car back then in that moment in my car the holy spirit began to speak to me he said all right you're an adult now what was your dad really doing What was he really doing again i hadn't thought about this in years i thought well, actually i don't think he was trying to kill me <laughs> if he wanted to kill me i'd be dead the truth was we had a swimming pool and he's trying to protect me now he might have done it the wrong way but he wants me to learn to swim so that I don't drown in the swimming pool he's not trying to drown me; he's trying not to let me drown now to a little boy it felt different so I received a lie that now every time I'm in a moment that I feel out of control and that somebody's dominating me and trying to hold me down I have to erupt are, you, are you, does this make sense So I, in that moment, began to ask forgiveness. And God, you know, I forgive my father for doing this. He didn't know what he was doing. I replaced that lie with the truth. That's a whole Sozo thing. I'm going to replace this lie that I believed with this truth. Over the years, I could give you more examples, but we're running out of time. Over the years, I have done that time after time after time after time. You don't have to go to Sozo ministry to do it, although that's very helpful. You can also just do it if you're mature enough. When you react in a way that's unusual... Just stop. Why am I reacting this way? It's going to come from a broken place somewhere. The broken place is a lie. The way you heal it is accepting a truth. Sometimes you'll have to accept it over and over and over if it's bad enough. You have to keep reminding yourself not gonna do this, not gonna do this. You know, since that day, all of a sudden I don't erupt the same way. People cut me off, it's whatever, like whatever, idiots, you know. (laughs) But I'm not erupting. You get what I'm saying? Um, That's an example of what we're talking about right now. Through the Holy Spirit, I'm being made whole because I believe a truth that's replacing a lie in an open gap. Does
1: that make sense? So uh, the question is, what is the lie I believed? What is the lie I believe about my... Oh, we're going there. Sorry. (laughs) We're going there.
0: You can go and say it, but that's uh, right there. (laughs) That's the application phase.
1: Um, let Let me say this, too. This is why it's so important, parents, what we say to our children and what we don't say to our children. Um, Because they, at that critical age, they're believing everything that you say. So if you say your hair is really funny, they're going to believe for the rest (laughs) of their life, unless you clarify that truth, um, that they have funny hair. And they're always going to feel that sting when they look at themselves in the mirror. Fathers, if you ever say something detrimental or say something to your daughter about her not being beautiful or being fat or being whatever, I promise you those words will stick until the day that she dies unless she has healing from it. So it's so important what we say to our children and to our spouses.
0: The the fat one is a real obvious one, right? So how many people, like if somebody's bulimic, have you ever noticed they're never fat? but yet they think they're fat, so they're going to go throw up everything every time they eat because they think they're fat because there's a broken place inside of them because somebody told them something. You get supermodels who are bulimic and think they're fat. Well, that makes no sense. Well, it's a broken place where something happened and it needs healing. So, okay? All right. So now, with all of this understanding, if we're all on the same page, let me give you five signs you may, and I'm going to show you word, this word may, may be under attack. Five things. Oh, actually, I, I skipped one. Go, go back, go back. Two wrong mentalities. We'll do that real fast. This is. I just want to say it. Two wrong mentalities. Um, everything is a spiritual attack, and nothing is a spiritual attack. <laughs> okay? Those two are on either end of the spectrum of this room. Some people... Um, uh, tend to go, I think every one of us have a tendency towards one or the other. In fact, Ada and I are probably on the opposite ends of the spectrum. She's far more likely to sense it's a spiritual attack than I am. I'm
1: like, oh, that's a headache? That's demonic.
0: Every time I there's a headache. Cast out in Jesus' name. Every time there's a headache. <laughs> um, I'm the one that's like, nothing is ever a spiritual attack. Okay, neither one of those are true. There's a balance there. Um, and uh, so just, just recognize that. Okay, five signs you may be under attack. And we'll explain this may thing. Number one. Confusion, confusion. First Corinthians fourteen thirty three says, "For God is not a god of disorder, but of peace." Right? Now, here's where it gets tricky, and this is why you have to be some mature Christians. What if there is confusion in following God, and it's not an attack? Watch this in Acts chapter one when when uh, they're trying to replace Judas, and they don't know what to do. They cast lots. You talk about a group that's confused and doesn't know what to do, that they're going to gamble and say, all right, God, you take care of these lots. Dice. Okay, well, this is why the spiritual maturity is so important, because your confusion could be because you didn't get enough sleep. (laughs) Could be because you're not eating right. There's all kinds of reasons that confusion could be there. But if you're doing those things... It also could be spiritual, and so you have to be mature enough to not go. Everything that's confusing, confusing could be the algebra homework your kid doesn't want to (laughs) do. Is that going to fly, Mom and Dad? Right, like this algebra homework is confusing. It's the devil. (laughs) It's a spiritual attack. No, it's confusing because you got to stretch yourself to learn it. Right. That's that's why it's confusing. Right. Still confusing to me because I never stretched myself enough. So so you have to recognize it's never just that simple because we're complex. And this is why this is such a mature conversation because I don't want us to leave going, oh, these five things, these are always the enemy of sex. It would be nice if that were that way, but we are such complicated beings. That's just not truthful, and I'm not going to tell you that. I I know plenty of people who probably would. There's lots of YouTube videos and stuff you can find out there, and they'll tell you these five things are always spiritual attacks. Just not quite that simple. But it can be when you know you're trying to do something spiritual, especially, you're trying to follow God's thing, and it's just over and over and over. It's confusion, confusion, confusion. So confusion can be good.
1: Yeah. Do you know the number one thing in our diet that causes confusion? Yes, sugar. You know I'm drinking
0: pineapple water right now? It's really good. So
1: if you eliminate sugar out of your diet, I promise you the brain fog will go. It will go.
0: Okay, number two, condemnation. This is a big one. Condemnation. Hey, do you want to read Romans
1: 8.1? Therefore, there is no condemna- condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus.
0: So there's no condemnation on you. Now, the most famous verse in all the Bible is John 3.16. But nobody ever quotes John 3.17, right? <laughs> Anybody know it off the top of your heart? John 3 17, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. So Jesus is not interested in condemning you. However, and this is where it gets again conviction of the Holy Spirit does happen, and you will feel bad when you're convicted. <laughs> you should feel bad. I should feel bad. I should be repentant. And so conviction and con- condemnation can feel kind of similar sometimes. You have to use your maturity. If I have repented, if I am right before God, and I'm still feeling like I'm wrong, now I'm talking about condemnation. If I've made it right, now this is not conviction. This is condemnation.
1: Yeah, and if it's a voice in your head telling you that God does not love you, that is condemnation. And we have all had that voice at some point in time, and that is that is from the enemy. 2 mm-hmm.
0: Corinthians 7, 9 And 10 says, yet now I am happy, not because you were made sorry, but because your sorrow led you to repentance, for you became sorrowful as God intended, and so were not harmed in any way. I know we have this Jesus nowadays that always just loves you and never says you've done anything wrong and just pats you on your butt and sends you on your way all the time. But that's not the Jesus that you read in Scripture. He wants you to be sorrowful for your sins. You see it over and over. There is conviction, but conviction is not condemnation. So be mature enough to recognize the two. If you are being condemned and you just feel like I'm a worthless, horrible human being, that is a place the enemy will use. That's a broken place. All right, number three, uh, fear, fear. Second uh, Timothy 1.7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power and of love and a sound mind. <coughs> fear. Fear can definitely be one of those things. But then again, there's another side of fear too, Right? Because we do know famously the proverb says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. So is all fear wrong? No, there's reasonable fear and there's unreasonable fear. Um, if, If you walk out of your front door tomorrow morning and you see a big rattlesnake sitting in front of you, you will jump and jump back into your house, especially Pastor Tina. She won't leave her house. She won't leave her house for two weeks after seeing that. So you'll jump out of the way because of fear. But is that a good fear? Yeah, that's a good fear. But what about when a good fear becomes an unreasonable fear? What about instead of running from the snake, you're still running two miles away? Whoa, wait a minute. Now we're talking about a spirit of fear that's greater than the measure, the reasonableness of the actual problem. This is not to offend anybody watching online or here in person. But one of the things I believe we're seeing with COVID right now is we should be concerned and fearful for anything that could hurt us, that could cause the damage that COVID could happen. But we are going way beyond some of these things now to an irrational level of fear that is a spiritual attack on a nation. Does that make sense? We should be concerned. We should be fearful in a, in a good fear kind of way. But it can become unreasonable really quickly if we're not careful. I don't have time. Come, come Saturday, we'll talk about this more. But within the secular humanistic worldview, there's not the ability to handle problems and pain. And so when that happens, they don't know what to do, and you overreact. We're seeing that all the time, whether it's COVID or whether it's somebody hurting your feelings. We're seeing it all the time, this overreaction, because now we're part of a new worldview that hasn't trained us how to handle difficulty. Okay, okay. so fear, fear.
1: I was thinking about this today, um, the story of Job. Um, there's this very, very important verse he says in chapter 3, verse 25. It says, For the thing that I fear comes upon me, and what I dread befalls me. And how many people right now, this is what they're living. They, they're, the thing that they fear is coming upon them. So whether it be death, whether it be sickness whatever it is, their mind is consumed with that thing, and because of that fear, it has now become an open door for the enemy, and that's where the enemy comes in, and he will make those things happen. That's why it's so important what you say out of your mouth. Sickness out of your mouth, like disease, if you have a stomach ache and all of a sudden you've Googled stomach aches and you have cancer and you're speaking that over yourself, I have cancer... That's a lie. That's as soon... That's, that's the lie, right? Right. That's the lie. And as soon as that comes out of your mouth and it's something you start to believe, that is the place where the enemy takes hold. And he said, you have just admitted it. You have came into agreement with the lie, me, Satan. You have came into agreement with me, and now it's going to happen. Right. And so it's so important what comes out of our mouth.
0: So good. So good, Ada. So, so, so that fear, and that's where that lie versus truth. So the truth is you should be scared of the snake. The spirit of fear would be the lie that you have to keep running and make it bigger than it is. Okay? Truth and fear. All right, number four, unusual thoughts or voices. Unusual thoughts and voices. Uh, Paul said in Ephesians, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Um, We've all had moments probably in our life that you get this thought that's an evil thought or a weird thought just out of nowhere. It's not really a temptation that you struggle with or whatever. It's just like, well, I could do-do-do-do. you are like, what? Where did that just come from? Yeah. That's a sign of a spiritual attack. Um, that's a sign, because here's where that didn't come from probably, is your spirit or anywhere that you're accustomed to. It just came out of left field. Um, and the spiritual attack is the purpose of the attack is, I don't have a lie written anywhere, but, it, but it's to get you to believe the lie. If the attack works, you believe the lie. If the attack doesn't work, you uh, believe the truth. What is the Bible? The sword the, the sword, of, sword of the Spirit, which is, the Bible is truth. So you believe what the Bible says, not what this attack says. And as Ada just said so well, it's what you come in agreement with. Are you going to agree with the Bible, or are you going to agree with this lie? And and that's how the attack works or doesn't work. All right, so unusual thoughts or voices. And then the fifth one, very similar but different, Uh, strong, sudden, or unusual temptations. We've probably all had that happen to us. It's like out of nowhere, similar to the voice, the thought, um, you get this strong, unusual temptation. I could do this. I could get away with this, right? Maybe you're at work and something with money and you're like, oh, I could take this, nobody would ever know. And it's not something you would ever normally think. It's not something you would ever normally do, but the opportunity presented itself, and now, oh, I could do that. Those are the moments you have to, you have to agree with the truth, not the lie. The lie becomes the foothold of the enemy on your soul or the way it all works together. Does that make sense? Um. um The devil is a tempter. That's what he does. Uh, We all know that. In fact, the word Satan itself means tempter. Uh, The devil is a tempter. He's a tempter. Um, But your own flesh can tempt you sometimes, too. And that's where you know it's a spiritual attack, whether it's coming from your flesh or it's a spiritual attack coming from something that's not normal to you. If it's something you always deal with, if you're an alcoholic and you think, you know, oh, I could have this drink and you're tempted, that might be your own flesh. That might be the inner state you've created, (laughs) your habit. That might be your own flesh, but if it's coming from left field, that might be a spiritual attack. But again, they often look similar. Does that make sense? I'm going to throw one more out, uh, only because I thought of it after I took the notes. Um, one more out, um, and it's one that Aide and I have experienced a lot, and that is interesting timing. That's how I wrote it. Um, Mike and Christine and Pastor Tina will laugh, because we've talked to our staff at length about this kind of stuff. Um, I have noticed, we've, we don't have this problem really anymore now, but for years, the weekend of Easter, Ada and I would get in a big fight. Friday, she would say something to me that was, she was just being a jerk, you know, <laughs> and she was being rude and disrespectful or something, I don't know. So Friday, you know, I'm, I'm teasing obviously, but like something would happen and all of a sudden Saturday would come and we're not talking and we're mad at each other and at some point, I became mature enough, and we had the conversation. I said, you ever notice this always happens on Easter weekend? I ain't stupid. After a few years of this, okay. And so we, we jokingly, I say we joke, but it's true. We tell our staff almost every Easter, we'll tell listen, if something happens in your marriage this weekend, don't let the devil win. Recognize who your enemy is, and he's trying to distract you from this. And I can tell you time after time after time, if there is a big thing in our church. People are all about to be saved and whatever, like some big things going on or in individual ministries. Something will happen that weekend. Something will happen right before it. The enemy will do whatever he can to cause a distraction. And sometimes that becomes a spiritual attack from the enemy. Will I buy into this lie or will I stay strong and, and towards the goal of what we're trying to accomplish. And can
1: I point out that we are all living in this time of distraction? Have you guys felt distracted lately? I'm telling you, because the enemy is trying to sideline us and keep our focus from where it needs to be. And that's spreading the gospel, that's leading people to him, that's laying hands on the sick, because he's trying to get us so consumed with us and ours that we don't have time to go out and do his, his business.
0: So I had planned to take questions right now. Um, we're not leaving like, right this second, so if, uh, like, as soon as we're over. So if you have questions, come see me afterwards. We'll, we'll take questions, but I plan to do it right now. I do want to end with this, though. Can you just pray with me for just a moment? Because it would be wrong of us to give this whole talk about the soul and broken places and lies we've believed without giving the Holy Spirit an opportunity to heal the holes in our hearts, the holes in our bodies, the holes of the broken places. So I want to ask you two questions, and I'm going to give some awkward pause because I want you just to pray about it and ponder it and begin asking the Lord about it. Two questions are this. What are my broken places, and what lies have I believed? Now, if you have a reoccurring sin problem in your life, I promise you there's a lie there that you believed somewhere. If you have a place in your life that you act abnormally, that you do something and you think, where did that come from? I, I, I don't usually act like that. That's a hole in your life. That's a lie you've believed. So right now as we're pondering, two questions first. Father, show me the broken places in my life. Just begin to pray that and listen to his voice. The second question, Father, what lies have I believed? What lies have I believed? If he starts to reveal lies or take you back to places in your past, oftentimes things that happened to you as a child, but not always, As he, if he starts to take you back to those things and reveal lies you believe, just begin to ask him, all right, what's the truth? What's the truth I need to replace this with? I feel like there's somebody in this room, the lie that you believed is that the blood of Jesus is not enough for you. It's not just a salvation thing. It's it's whatever this area of your life is.
1: Oh, Father, we thank you right now for revealing the truths over your sons and your daughters. We thank you that, God, you are a God, that you are the God of truth. You will never leave us. You will never forsake us. And there is nothing that we can do to ever make you turn your backs on us, God. So I thank you for your love that is constantly chasing us that is constantly wanting us completely whole to be how you created us to be, Lord. And so, Father, I pray that these words that we've spoken tonight, God, Lord, you'll keep reminding us this week and the months and years to follow, Lord, so that we won't fall into the enemy's temptations, that we will not fall into the lies of the enemy, but we will see things as you want us to see them, God through your lenses, not through the lenses that are, that are tainted, that are perceiving things as different than the truth. But Lord, let us see through your eyes. And I ask, Holy Spirit, that you will hover over each person here tonight, that you will hover over us, Holy Spirit. And if there's anyone in this room, Lord, that doesn't know you as their personal Savior, I pray that tonight is the night Lord, maybe they have asked that question time and time again. God, do you love me? Do you love me? Because I don't feel loved. And the answer is that you love them. You love them so passionately, God. You love each one of us as if we were your favorites. It doesn't matter the sin that we've done or it doesn't matter the past. It doesn't matter the, the home that we grew up in, God. You don't love each one of us more than the other in that regards, God. It's you love us, each one of us, with such depth and sincerity. And God, I pray that that love is the love that we will feel from this time forward, God. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for bringing truth tonight to each one of us, Lord. It doesn't matter how long we've been walking with you and serving serving you, God. Lord, let us have truth in any area that we've believed lies. And Father, if there is any spirit of torment, if there is a spirit of fear, if there is a spirit of confusion, God, or, or witchcraft, whatever it is, Lord, that is on your people tonight, God, I command it to go in the name of Jesus. I take authority over it right now. It has to leave in Jesus' name. Fear has to go right now in Jesus' name. And, Lord God, I release the peace of God over your children. God, I thank you for giving us sound minds in this place. You have given us the mind of Christ. And I thank you that we are justified because of your death, Jesus. We are made whole because of your death, just as if we'd never sinned. So thank you for putting us back into our right place thank you for making us whole, Jesus. And thank you, God, for you letting us be used by you to be your hands and feet to bring wholeness to everyone that we come in contact with. God, I just declare boldness right now over your children. Boldness, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for using each one of us. And I pray, Holy Spirit, for a fresh infilling of you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. For our time here together we bless you god amen
0: i hope you enjoyed this conversation today and i especially hope it added value to you If you enjoyed it, would you do me a favor and give us a five-star rating on your podcast provider? It really helps to get the word out. And of course, if you share this content with your friends, that would be great too. And until next time, I hope you continue creating a better future. I look forward to being with you again soon.